There have been times where I would spend six, eight, 10 hours learning and I would say, okay, I'm done for the night and go sit on my couch and watch a movie and feel so guilty. Wait, you're not working. You don't get to relax. My girlfriend actually gave me a term for it and she called it productivity anxiety. You need to continue to do that thing no matter what. It's really hard to step back sometimes, but you got to focus on the way to do it. Welcome to the Scrimba podcast. On this weekly show, I interview recently hired and seasoned developers to get both perspectives on how best to learn to code and smoothly land your first role in tech. Today, I'm joined by Matt Ehrlich and Eric Winklespecht from the Self-Taught Dev podcast. As a fan of their show, I decided to reach out and compare notes on what makes a successful self-taught dev. Along the way, we're going to talk about the best way to structure your studies, as well as Matt's and Eric's approach to financing their self-taught dev journey. Matt, welcome to the show. I'd love to learn where you're at in your self-taught dev journey, then we'll loop in Eric in just a moment. My tech journey goes way back about 10 years ago when I was in college. I was actually um, an electrical engineering major and we took a computer science course and I absolutely despised this course. I thought it was awful. We were learning C++. I had no idea what was going on and I swore I would never code again. 10 years later, I'm watching on TV. There's a company called Goodwill and they were sponsoring somebody to go through a boot camp. And it said like full stack. And I was like, huh, full stack. What is that? So I did a little Google search and I was like, huh, this seems really interesting. It was perfect timing because I was looking to leave my career as a park ranger. And so I just started learning and I was like, wow, this pretty much hits everything that I'm looking for. I get this creative side and I get to actually make things because I always love to make things with my hands but now I get to make it on my computer. So I started learning for a little bit, took a course called Code Academy, And from there, I was pretty much hooked. And so it was basically a 180 from my previous experience. You're working as a park ranger. What does a park ranger do in the US? Oh gosh, what doesn't a park ranger do? Not code, apparently. Oh, right, of course. Yeah, so we have basically three different responsibilities and it could be a combination of them. One might be uh, maintenance and operations. One might be law enforcement, and then one might be programming, which is basically giving environmental education programs to the public. I did all three. Yeah, that's basically what a park ranger does. What made you want to switch from doing that to development? I think I basically hit the pinnacle of my growth as a park ranger. I did the job for about five and a half years, and I realized I stopped learning and stopped growing. And I kind of decided, can I do this for the next 20 to 25 years of my life. I just could not. I wanted to do something where there's basically unlimited growth and I could really build things and just continue learning. Where are you at currently in your self-taught dev journey, Matt? I've actually had two positions so far as a developer. One was back in March of this year and the other one started in May and went through August. And that was a, a contract position as a front end developer. So right now I'm in between contracts, but I'm still learning and building projects and specifically building projects in public. I vaguely know what a park ranger does from television and stuff, but I can totally imagine as well how that might be a career where you start to feel like you're at the upper limits compared to something like development where 
there's too much for one person to even learn, right? Like there's always something else to learn. There's always interesting verticals to work with. And there's always so many interesting career opportunities that you can pursue while still utilizing the same foundation and your programming knowledge. Yeah, I think when it comes to programming, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything. And that could be <laughs> daunting or I, I don't know, it's kind of exciting because I know that I will never like max out in this type of career. I think it's interesting because at the beginning of your development journey, you obviously know that you don't know anything. And then you reach a point where you can like build a website and you're like, oh, I know everything. I'm so close to achieving my goal. And then you go a little bit further and then you realize just how little you actually know. And that can be the fuel for imposter syndrome in some cases, I think. But then once you cross a certain chasm a bit later, a few years later, perhaps, uh, you start to see that more as an opportunity than a threat. And that that sort of shift, I think, in, in mindset is interesting. There are so many kind of questions like that, I think a lot of new developers have. And I know that you're talking about these every week almost on the Self-Taught Dev podcast. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that for context. When I was going through, originally in the beginning, when I was going through my learning journey, I would watch the YouTube videos of people getting jobs in three months and just making a few projects and, you know, getting that job. And I'm saying to myself, I don't see how this could happen at all. I'm not experiencing that at all. I'm so confused. This is so hard. I don't know what I'm doing. And as I started talking about these experiences on LinkedIn, a lot of people would talk to me and send me messages like, hey, I'm experiencing this too. And I think there was just a lack, especially in my online community of, of that information being put out there. And I wanted to make a space where other people felt like it was okay to say I'm struggling or I am not understanding this. And it's not all about, I just learned for a little bit and got a job. That's not necessarily the experience for everyone. So that really inspired me to start creating content and making videos. And that is when I met Eric, who also was making videos at that time. And we really connected on that. This is a perfect segue because we're joined by your co-host, Eric. Eric, how are you? Doing good, Alex. Thank you for having me. It's great to learn a bit about your origin, Matt. Maybe we can learn about yours next, Eric. Where are you at with your coding journey right now? I just finished my first month as a full-time full-stack software developer. My first full-time role. Congratulations. That must be so exciting. Thank you. It definitely is. doesn't feel like a job, which is incredible. You know, I have fun doing what I'm doing every single day. It's really excellent to step into this and just have fun doing it and feel confident about all the decisions I was questioning throughout that whole uh, process of making a career change. Oh my goodness, yes, because it's strange, you know, you see the progress every week at first, then every month as you progress and you know you're on the right track, but there's still a lot of like self-doubts and you haven't yet proved to yourself you can do it. That there's something so validating about someone else saying, yes, you're good enough and we'll pay you money to do this thing that doesn't even feel like work. Yeah, it's really hard when you're making that career change journey, especially the, the self-taught way, because like you got to make your own choices about how you spend your time and what you're going to work on and what you're going to do, like how you prove that you're capable to do the job full time and get paid for it, like you said, without direction from an external source. You got to make those decisions. And sometimes along the way, it just question it. Are you doing the right thing? Are you spending your time the right way? And you don't really know because sometimes you don't get that feedback up until the end when you actually accomplish your goal and you're like, oh, yeah, OK, cool. I did this. 
Yes. And I think that's actually a big reason why, you know, I host the Scrimba podcast and why you both host the podcast as well. We know how inspiring and reassuring it is to see people who have been on a similar path reach success. And on that topic, Eric, I was wondering if you could maybe rewind a little bit going back for the last, I think, year and a half or so that it took you to learn to code and get a job. Talk to us a little bit about your path and what it looked like from the beginning. I was working for a company. Um, I had a well-established career. I was there for 10, almost 11 years. The company was like IT solutions company is what they go by. Or basically, we, work, we worked with like governments or schools or businesses of all sizes, whatever technologies they needed, like hardware, software, we would procure, deploy, all that stuff. Uh, started at their entry-level inside sales position. After like two or three years, moved to a manager position, then senior manager, then moved to the warehouse organization to help lead technical projects and build a training team, then moved to the Apple team briefly and then decided wasn't going to continue that career anymore. After you've been a company for that long and climbed in the ranks, it's uh, I'll say it, I think it takes courage to switch and try something new. What was the impetus that made you decide to teach yourself to code? It was scary. It was a very challenging decision. You know, I looked back over the 10 years and I was proud about a lot of the things that I accomplished. And there was a lot about the jobs that I had that I loved. I love being a mentor to folks. But, you know, I kind of grew in this structure that was provided to me by the company. And I hit a certain point where I didn't feel like I was growing or learning anymore as much as I wanted to. And I wasn't super interested in the actual problems we were solving. So I took a hard look and thought to myself, growing within a company to me felt like growth, but as if I was a passive participant in making those kinds of choices as far as how I can move and what I was doing with my life. And I wanted to be an active participant and make something, make a change that I really felt I believed in and wanted to pursue something radically different. Sounds like you were growing, but you couldn't choose in what direction you were growing. And therefore it might not have been perfectly aligned with what you felt was important. Yeah. I mean, there were opportunities, but you know, when I became interested in different things, trying to make a career change within the company was a little more difficult going into like a coding direction or a technical direction. And I just decided, you know, I kind of made the opportunity for myself. I knew I could afford to leave that career and fund myself for at least a little while and just decided to dive in and, and do what I could do. When it comes to teaching yourself to code, there's a lot of paths put in front of you. What path did you take? Was it the kind of YouTube route, the reading books routes? Maybe you're a bootcamp type of person. No, I mean, I, I reviewed a bootcamp. I interviewed with a bootcamp and I was at the stage where they were like, give us your money and you can pick a start date. But I wasn't excited about the financial aspect of that. But I had their kind of curriculum in front of me and I looked on online resources and found, you know, a couple of Udemy courses and in the beginning thought, oh, I'll take this Udemy course and I'll be good to go and I'll be job ready. You know, not the case. Right. Uh, but that was kind of the starting point. And then after that, it just evolved much more into working on projects and building more complex things and learning by experience and finding ways to grow by doing. Coming up, how to keep yourself motivated. You don't go through an interview process and get rejection and be like, cool, on to the next one. Hooray. But first, let's take a look at your social media posts about the show. On LinkedIn, Murtaza Jabarpur shared not one, not two, but three episodes of the Scrimba podcast and wrote, Tech layoffs are still happening and ChatGPT can code how to stay ahead of the curve as a new developer with Lane Wagner. This is the title of an interesting episode from the Scrimba podcast, which I recently started to listen to. And here are some other episodes you might find interesting. It's about who you know, an introvert's guide to networking and becoming amazing at LinkedIn. 
LinkedIn with Stephanie Chiu, an interview with a self-taught iOS software engineer and career coach. She's also a chemical engineer who thought she would never code until she met people who actually worked in tech. And Quincy Larson, why learning to code as an adult might be easier than you think, an interview with the founder of Free Code Camp who learned to code when he was 31. And a lot more, which you can discover in apps like CastBox. Thank you, Mortaza. And yes, you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts. Also on LinkedIn, Akradat T wrote, just listened to the Scrimba podcast with Shona Chan. And she said something that really resonates with me. A lot of people always think about the sunk cost in order to decide whether to switch careers into tech or not. But on the other hand, they don't take into consideration what the sunk costs are if they don't take that step. Yesterday, I saw a documentary about failure and the anxiety around it. The study says that most people regret the things they didn't do even more than the mistakes they made or the failure they experienced when trying to accomplish something. Ask yourself, when you imagine you're about 80 or 90 years old, would you regret not doing the things that could have brought you joy in your life? Okay, this sounds a bit scary, but I think it's a good thing to do from time to time. If you would like to get a shout out on the show, just post about it on Twitter or on LinkedIn. You can also leave us a rating or a review in your podcast app of choice. So, for example, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you can rate us, but you can also write us a review. Many other apps give you this possibility. I think on Spotify, you can only rate us, which is boring, but okay. And remember, word of mouth is the best way to support a podcast that you like. So, if you're enjoying the show, share it with someone. And now we're back to the interview with Matt and Eric from the Self.Devs podcast. What about you, Matt? What made you decide to go for self-taught routes instead of going down the boot camp or back to school, for example? So I had gotten my college degree and I just didn't like the structure of structured learning, especially when I went through an actual physical location for college. I kind of just felt like a lot of my time was spent being talked at and I wouldn't really be able to take in all the information. And then I would just have to go home and do all of the work by myself anyway. So I was like, well, I could just cut out a lot of this time by just starting with doing all of the work. So that's kind of why I didn't want to go through school. And as far as a boot camp goes, I had the money but I did not want to spend that money. It can be a really large financial commitment. And I also know that I'm very self-motivated once I have my mind on something and I'm going to continue to learn and really grow and I don't need an extra push in order to do that. So I was considering all of the options, but honestly, self-taught really seemed like the best route for me, especially after doing my research for a few months. I took a lot of that upfront time and really decided what I wanted to do. What resources did you use? And it's okay if you didn't use Scrimba, by the way. <laughs> so I actually did use Scrimba at one point. I started with Code Academy because they had their free HTML and CSS course. After doing my research, I realized everyone starts out at HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Once I got to the JavaScript portion of Code Academy, I realized that this was a lot harder than I thought it would be, and I had no idea what I was doing. And I didn't like the format at which 
Codecademy would teach more technical curriculum. So I moved around a little bit. I went through Scrimba for some time. And then when I realized that I wanted to learn a lot more, I went through Udemy as well. So I took a course by Dr. Angela Yu. I think it was her complete web development course. She's a fantastic teacher. It was a very good course. I mean, I didn't even feel like she was my instructor. I felt like we were friends and, you know, we were talking to each other there. So the way she taught really connected with how I like to learn. It was a little bit of information, go build something, a little bit of information and just repeating. I learned through constantly having lots of repetition. And that course was really good for that. Here's a question to you both then as self-taught developers who made a career change. What do you think about leaving your job to focus on learning to code full-time versus other strategies which include part-time learning. For example, maybe you do it alongside your full-time job or you switch to a part-time role that affords you time to focus on coding when you're not working. What did you do and how did you weigh the decision? It's a very big decision to make and it's not something that I think either of us would recommend anybody do lightly. There are times where I look back and I question the decision. I mean, I gave myself a lot of time by leaving my career. I was comfortable with my finances to be able to give myself that time. I took the learning journey as a, as a full-time position. Like I treated it like almost like a job. You know, I would get up in the morning, start right away, finish by the end of the, you know, five or 6 PM or whatever every day. But, you know, thankfully I was able to get a position when I did, because I was getting to the end portion of my finances where I was like, this is do or die time. And like, you know, you go get another job or whatever. Right. So like you can do that. But sometimes that's just easier said than done. I don't think the added pressure of having financial stress behind you the whole time is going to be very helpful in a learning journey when you're trying to learn such complicated material. So like understand if you're going to do it, understand what your timelines are and be very strict with yourself as far as like have a cushion for if you need to get a different job to help continue to support the career change, know when you need to do that and do it. Matt, how long did you think it would take you to make the shift and how long did it actually take you? Oh, I thought it would take me about six months and it took me 10 months until I got my, my first role. So a little bit longer. I actually prepared financially for a year. I thought it would take six months, but I prepared for a year just in case. I quit my full-time job back in August of 2022. And I basically knew that in order for me to really give it everything and learn, I would have to only focus on learning code. That really went into my decision. And I figured that if I had even a part-time job, it still wouldn't allow me to learn as much as I wanted to. So considering learning, going the full-time route really was the best option for me. The thing about it though, to consider always is like, it's on you to maintain a schedule of learning, right? Kind of regardless of, of if you go full-time or part-time or whatever your schedule allows. The whole thing about learning to code is like, you have to continue and be consistent with what you're doing, like a little bit every day, you know, even if it's just like an hour or a half hour or whatever time you can allot for that learning you have to stick with it. So like quitting your job, some people are just going to not be able to adhere to a schedule, which is why not everybody goes self-taught. You know, like some people go to school or to a boot camp and they need that structure provided to them. 
So it's a, it's a whole lot of stuff to consider and a lot of uh, discipline you have to follow. Do you think it's a personality thing or can you learn that discipline? I'm a self-taught dev, by the way. I didn't go to uni and for a few years, I wasn't sure what I was missing out on. I thought I actually wasn't missing out on anything. I was like, the only reason to go to university is to get a piece of paper that proves you can do the job, but then there's no guarantee of a job anyway, plus you're in debt. So I was really like assured that I'd done the right thing by not going to university. But then I realized what you're paying for a lot of the time are things like the frameworks, the assessments, the routine, maybe the mentorship that might come alongside that or having peer-to-peer -peer support. Sometimes coding alongside peers is a good way to benchmark yourself as well. Like, are you the one struggling the most? Then maybe you need to work a bit harder. I remember when I was teaching myself to code, I had no idea where I was. And so in a way that made me uh, push a bit harder because I just assumed I was really bad at it. So yeah, I think that's what you pay for sometimes when you go to uni and a boot camp. Are there ways you can substitute those elements to also stay productive while learning to code full time? I think part of it is putting yourself out there and talking to other people. When you're going through college, you have everything set up for you. So you have your syllabus, you're told exactly what you're going to learn. And you have the instructor there who you could ask lots of questions. You can replicate that, but it will take some work on your part. And the way I chose to do that was through LinkedIn. So I started talking about my experiences learning and some of the things that I was building and a lot more experienced developers started reaching out to me and we would have conversations. And through that, I would be able to ask lots of questions. So it was sort of a similar experience, but you kind of have to reproduce that for yourself. A lot of networking and really just being able to talk to other people. I think it is very important to have that skill if you're going the self-taught route. You can still do those things too. If you're going through a boot camp or, you know, to a university for coding, you can reach out and be public on LinkedIn or something and network with folks and meet other people. But if you're going the self-taught route, you have to do those things. Because if you're just self-taught and you're just in an isolation chamber doing this stuff, like you said, you know, yourself, Alex, like how do you compare kind of where you're at in your learning journey? How do you know what kind of things to, to focus on? How do you get mentorship? How do you get feedback? So you need to be comfortable with putting yourself in those situations. How did you stay motivated and disciplined without, you know, a boss telling you what to do uh, or the promise of a salary at the end of it? That is a tough question. I don't think either Matt or I rely on motivation a lot in this journey. Motivation is fleeting. I felt a sense of motivation up front and at various places throughout the journey. But a lot of times it was just like, especially when the job search was really the big focus, it was just a grind, you know, with constant rejection. There's no motivation when you're in the job search and you're just hearing negative, negative rejections all the time. And then it's again, it's just that consistency factor. How do you find the discipline in yourself to continue forward and do the things you think in the moment you should be doing, right? The big thing for me wasn't so much trying to stay motivated along the way, but I was doing things that I thought were number one, worth my time, but number two, I enjoyed doing. You know, I spent time building a much larger project that I could actually show off and say like, this is something I have, you know, available for people to actually sign up for, pay money for if they want to, show that I'm capable of, of building a full stack application. Like that stuff was just fun to work on while doing job applications like crazy. So uh, you have to find the things you enjoy to keep going with it. 
I don't want to get hung up on semantics at all, but finding intrinsic enjoyment in something is a motivator to do it and maybe the most powerful one, actually. If you're the type of person who gets into coding because, you know, you've heard it's a good career where you can work remote and get paid a big salary, work at a prestigious company, impress your ex-colleagues or family, these are all kind of like external motivators. Maybe they burn quite strong and bright at the beginning but they don't burn very long compared to like this intrinsic motivation you're describing, uh, which is more of a gentle candle, but it, it burns for a long time, long enough for you to find success in the end, I think. And for me, ever since I typed something onto my keyboard and I saw it appear on my screen, I was hooked and I just wanted more and more of that. I didn't really rely on motivation, maybe a little bit, but as I got more and more into the learning journey and things really started to get hard, it just becomes you pushing yourself, especially if you set those expectations of like, I really want to learn this and you really have to keep up with it every day. I think consistency might be a little bit better than motivation, especially if you get into the habit of, okay, I'm going to wake up at this time, I'm going to sit at my desk at this time, and I'm just going to give this much amount of time towards learning for the day. And as Eric mentioned, working on projects that you enjoy, I think also helps. The first project that I worked on, it had to do with Star Wars. And basically, I think it was just HTML and CSS. And I made a grid of Star Wars characters and a description of them. And then I made another project on video games. And I also made another project based on national parks. And I was a park ranger. So making things that you enjoy making and also that you can relate to also helps. Is that the map plotting thing you've been sharing on LinkedIn recently? No. So actually in between programming jobs, I actually, I got a job in park operations and I realized that there was an issue with especially newer employees. There's no defined way to get from park to park in the quickest amount of time while wasting the least amount of gas and money. You could be going from one park and then go all the way across town to the other one. And then again, going all the way across town. So I wanted to make an application that basically it helped with routing and you could feed the application a list of points and it would tell you how to get to each one in the quickest way possible while wasting the least amount of gas and time. I want to be careful not to go on too much of a digression, but I love that because it's number one related to your past career. And it sounds like you're solving a genuine problem as well. They're always the best kind of projects to build compared to another to-do list app, for example. You know, when you're scratching your own itch, I think that's a great way to actually make the project continue to feel interesting long enough for you to complete it and demo something at the end. Yeah, it's really interesting. Every time I've looked for a problem to solve, I have never had a really good idea. But when I took time and just said, all right, I'm just going to go through my regular day-to-day -day life, and I guess particularly with this job, the problem just kind of popped up in my head. The problems chose me and I was like, I need to solve this. Just keeping an open eye for them, I think. It's the cool thing when you learn to code. All of a sudden you have this toolbox, so you start looking around for different things to build uh, when you're using the computer or doing something with tech. That's really cool. The reason I didn't want to let myself, despite this being interesting, go on a, a digression is because you said something really interesting, Matt, that I didn't want to let go. I was talking about intrinsic motivation and how coding can and should be fun and that will keep you going. But you reminded me of something very important, which is that 
coding as a hobby is not really the same thing as coding to get a job or coding professionally. There is a lot more discipline involved because you can't just uh, wake up every day and do what you feel like. You'll make some progress that way, but it's probably not going to be the most direct path to success. You might learn technologies that aren't as exciting or shiny and glamorous as the new things. Um, but they're necessary, like relational databases, for example, is pro probably not the most exciting thing compared to a new front end framework. Um, but it's the kind of thing that every company uses. So having some appreciation for that would be really productive potentially. And at the same time, sometimes you do start learning a technology, very, very, very exciting for the first few weeks because you're just picking all this low hanging fruits, but then you cross a point where it's a little bit harder to work with the advanced features, take a bit more grit and consistency to learn. And that isn't even to speak of the challenges when you start to apply for jobs and navigate the job market, because now this really is a discipline. You need to be applying consistently, honing your approach and all these things. My question then a bit generally is what would you do when things got tough in your journey? For example, what did you remind yourself of? Or are there any tactics like taking a break, for example, that you would draw on to come back fresh for next time and continue making progress? I would say taking breaks is so important, especially when I'm stuck on a problem and one hour goes by, two hour goes by, six hours go by, and I cannot solve this one problem. There's so many times where I would just say, all right, I'm done for the day. I would go to sleep, I would wake up the next day, and then kind of as soon as I got to the desk, an idea hit me and I was able to figure that thing out. So really, I think it's important to know yourself and know your limits. I could have easily just kept going, maybe stayed up all night and gotten nowhere, but I knew I would need to take a break. So frequent breaks, getting exercise is very important for me too. Getting sunlight, going outside, it could be very easy to maybe stay at your desk all day and forget about that there's an outside going on out there. Just doing those things, those those daily maintenance things, having a, a good diet also helped me as well. And all those put together really helped me get through the tough times or me get through problem solving when it was really hard. It's a super interesting thing to think about. And there's a lot of times along this journey where things are going to get really, really hard. I would always look back like in those moments, it's always hard to think clearly and kind of give yourself that self-talk you need to get through it. So I had to say the same thing to myself over and over again. It's just like I've done hard things before. I'm going to continue to do hard things so like maybe this thing right now is really hard and it seems insurmountable, but I know I'm going to find my way through it and I'm going to continue to go and like, yeah, take those breaks, move away from the problem, come back to it later with a fresh mind break that problem down into smaller pieces as much as you possibly can, but do whatever you can in that moment to try to reframe your perspective because that negativity factor is going to creep up on you and take over if you let it when things get really hard, but you'll get through it. You've gotten through those hard things before. You're going to continue to get through hard things. You'll get through this too. Would you both apply that same advice on taking a step back to the job search as well as individual coding problems? I'd say so. It's definitely a lot harder. When it comes to the job search, there's so much advice out there about what you should be doing and what you should focus on. And I think everything that you're going to hear has merit. Everything's going to feel bad in the moment when you do it because nothing is going to feel like it's working until it finally works. But, you know, you kind of have to break down whatever your action items are. You know, you spend your time doing the things that you think are going to gain you the most ground when it comes to the job search. And like 
yeah, you're going to have to send that applications. You're going to have to improve your resume. You're going to have to make connections and talk to actual people and try to, you know, network as much as you possibly can. But it's all about not just trying to achieve the goal of like get the job, but breaking that thing down into smaller components things that are more easily achievable that you can say, like, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to take this action this week and set those goals for yourself instead. I think, Eric, from my research, I think in about a year and a half, you had conversations with, I think, nine companies, and then that manifested as one job offer at the end. Did you ever feel quite discouraged after talking to companies and maybe not getting the resolution you were hoping for? And how did you deal with that feeling? I definitely felt discouraged when, you know, you get that final rejection after going through several rounds of interviews with these companies and doing projects and doing live coding. Definitely would feel discouraged the first, you know, one or two times I did live coding interviews where it was just like, I thought I was prepared, was not prepared. But it was just like everything else along the way. Everything was an opportunity to learn from what I was doing. Everything was an opportunity to improve and do better the next time. You know, I just had to remind myself that even though this opportunity wasn't the one that came to fruition for me, it wasn't going to be the last time I had the chance to prove that I could do the job. And as long as I kept doing the things that I was doing, I'd be successful. It was progress, right? Every interview was an interview that I got that I didn't have before. So as long as I knew I could do it that one time, I knew I could do it again. That was trying to remind myself of those things as much as possible. Did you bounce back just like that? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's not that quick, right? But it takes a little bit of time. You feel bad for a couple of days, right? Where it's it's definitely one of those things where sometimes you just have to let yourself feel those feelings. You know, you're going to feel bad. You don't go through an interview process and get rejection and be like, cool, on to the next one. Hooray. Absolutely not. No one's going to feel that way. <laughs> no, no. You have to let yourself just be in that moment for a little bit and be like, well, this sucks. And we tried really hard. And this one didn't work out. What are we going to do now? What are our options? Do we give up or do we continue after this thing that we know we really want to do? I really appreciate you expanding on that. I think I have a, a an empathy having been in that. And I, and I know you both do as well because you created this podcast in response uh, to the ways you were feeling and the problems you were experiencing on a self-taught journey. I just know sometimes when you're in that position, I think you said something like, it's not always so clear when you're in that moment. That's the sort of emotional part where like you hear all this great advice. It does make sense. It's motivating, very actionable when you get out of that space. But there is an emotional side to that that I think is worth acknowledging as well, because doing something disciplined and hard with no guarantee of success, that's a tough thing to do. When I'm on a deadline or I'm trying to do something really hard, just hypothetically say I've quit my job to learn to code and my savings are dwindling and I feel this pressure, I get like this uh, procrastination anxiety where like I struggle to relax while I'm also meant to be making progress on this goal. I'm just wondering if that sounds familiar to you at all and, and what you might say in response. Oh, absolutely. There have been times where I would spend six, eight, 10 hours learning and I would say, okay, I'm done for the night and go sit on my couch and watch a movie and feel so guilty. Wait, you're not working. You're not making money here. You don't get to relax. And I did a lot of that when I first started. And it's hard to kind of tell yourself, to basically take a break and give yourself time to sort of recover. I think for me, especially since I quit my job to learn full time, it's just hard to figure out your routine. What honestly helped me the most was getting exercise, going outside, getting fresh air and getting sunlight and, and making sure my diet was okay. And that sort of helped me mentally and physically 
Because I knew if I'm not doing okay mentally and physically, the rest is just going to not be as good as I want it to be. This is one we talk about a lot on self-taught devs. I felt the same exact thing. Like you can't relax sometimes. Your brain just keeps going where you're like, what am I doing? I'm not working. I need to continue on this thing because every second I spend on this thing is going to get me closer somehow, maybe. I didn't understand it in the time my girlfriend actually gave me a term for it and she called it productivity anxiety, which we say a lot now. It's like productivity anxiety. It's just you feel like you need to continue to do that thing no matter what else is happening in your life. It's really hard to step back sometimes, but you got to focus on the way to do it. When I was learning to code, I was 18, 19, and I didn't really have any structure in my life. So I was actually coding quite late into the nights until like 3, 4 a.m. I'd wake up late, all these things. After doing that for many months, even though it was productive, I started to feel a bit out of the loop with society a little bit. Like I would need a dentist's appointment, but I wasn't going to be up in time. Or maybe there was a social thing happening, but it didn't fit with the coding schedule. And yeah, long story short, it did catch up with me eventually. So your advice to focus on your health, I think, and just maintaining some degree of a life outside of coding, even though it's not strictly 100% the thing that's causing an output in your coding journey right now, it does give you the fuel to actually be really productive in, in the long term. Um, you know, you, you have to sometimes take a rest and a break, I think, to make sure you're fresh and coming out something. I'm sure we've all been in a position where our eyes are tired. We're watching a course. Things aren't really going in. We're not so motivated to take notes. We look at our notes for the next day. They just aren't making any sense at all. Sometimes you do have to know yourself and tune into that. I think it's a really good point. It's awesome that you both talk about this and share your experiences on your own podcast. By the way, where did you both meet? Like, what's the origin story there? We met through LinkedIn. Matt was doing, you know, he, he was doing the, the learn out loud, the build out loud stuff. He was putting out some video content. And I remember seeing one of his posts. He talked about when following tutorial videos, it's not what you see, right? When you code, people go through and they just code a thing and there's no problems along the way and bam, they're done. And he's like, that's not realistic. And I was like, man, that's a really interesting perspective. I can, I could do this. So I started doing some coding videos and just trying to live code stuff. And I remember we, we got in touch and we, you know, kind of just talked a little bit. We're both like, man, we really dig what you're doing with your video content, dig what you're all about. And we kind of, you know, since we were both doing a YouTube stuff, we decided let's do a collaboration. You know, let's just chat. Let's just do a chat and record it and see what happens. Put it up on our channels, whatever. So we, we just had a conversation and it was just really genuine and nice. And we connected a lot of things. We had a lot of shared experiences. And after we wrapped up, we were just like, we should just do this every week and start a podcast together because why not? <laughs> and uh, it's just been going weekly ever since. How is Eric as a co-host, Matt? I think we really just understand each other. And I think there's a flow to making content and, and podcasting. And I think we really are pretty good at guiding the conversation along. So uh, yeah, Eric has been, has been really great. And actually one of our first interactions with each other through video was I was building a React application and I was stuck for like two days. And I'm like, this is just driving me crazy. So I asked Eric, I was like, hey man, can you help me with this? And I think he solved my problem in about five minutes. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know? So yeah, we, we really just had really good conversations. I, I've been listening to the podcast for a while, actually. I think you're doing a fantastic job. I listened to the episode on ChatGPT, your thoughts on how to utilize it as a developer and your perspective on whether or not we need to be worried if it will take our job or something. 
the conclusion I agree with is that it won't. And another conversation I found really inspiring and insightful was your conversation on financing a self-taught dev journey. We've definitely touched on a few of those themes here today, but if any of them are resonating with you listening, definitely check out that episode. And in general, you should check out the Self-Taught Dev podcast. We'll link it in the show notes. Matt and Eric, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. It was a pleasure to be here. That was the Scrimba podcast. Check out Matt and Eric's show. I'm going to link it and the show notes. If you made it this far, please subscribe. That way you're not going to miss our upcoming episodes. The podcast is hosted by Alex Booker and now Vinny. I'm the producer. You can find both of our Twitter handles in the show notes. Keep coding and see you next time.